Hey, so as you guys are making your way back to your seat, uh, we're glad you're here. Second week in this room. So last week you guys were a little bit like, all right, let me see how this is going, if I'm going to like this. You guys are super quiet. It's a little bit awkward at times. And so I don't know if you're feeling that same vibe tonight, but hopefully you guys are feeling a little bit more comfortable tonight. A little bit more like, all right, this is our thing. Like this is, we're getting into a rhythm. I, I like this. This is kind of cool. Some of you guys are actually sitting over in this section tonight. Uh, as opposed to last week, everybody was like packed in here. So that's good. So, uh, man, we're glad you are here tonight. And uh, if this is your, maybe it's your first time that you've come, and uh, maybe a friend invited you, or your mom made you come, or whatever, this is the first time you've stepped in, then uh, you picked a great week to come. And maybe you were invited in part because of maybe some ideas or viewpoints that, that, um, that maybe you've had with somebody that invited you. But we're beginning a brand new series tonight called... I'm not a Christian because. And so it's a pretty basic series title, and yet it kind of makes you go, wait, what, what's this series all about? What, what, are we, what are we talking about here? And so I, I think we can state the obvious here that there are a lot of people in the world who have issues or things that they disagree about in terms of Christianity. They look at Christianity and they've got things that they disagree with, things they don't like about it, um, you know, just reasons why they don't believe this message that Christianity preaches. And so maybe some of you hopefully are in the room tonight. Maybe you were, again, were invited by somebody. And I hope that, that there are some of you in the room who have walked in feeling like, yeah, I've, maybe you've had debates or conversations with, with somebody that invited you. Or maybe you just, you show up every week, but yet still in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure about this. And I hope, I mean, these are questions that we need to be talking about. And I hope that we're not that kind of, of ministry that just sort of glosses over stuff or doesn't address elephants in the room or talk through issues. Because whether you have these questions now or not, you will at some point. I mean, all of us need to be wrestling with these things. We need to take ownership of our faith. And to be able even to give an account for the reason that we believe when people ask us. And so that's really in a lot of ways what this series is, is designed to be. So if you've got questions or things that you disagree with, then my prayer is that as we walk through the, some of these issues and some of these questions that people have, that maybe you'll, you'll find some, some help or some answers to some of those questions. I also hope that for those of us who say that we're believers, that we're followers of Jesus, that we are Christians, I hope that we're challenged by what we're going to be talking about as well. Now, we might as well just kind of start this series out by talking about what is more than likely the number one issue that people have with Christianity. All right, and it probably wouldn't take you guys too long to be able to come up with what that main reason is. Maybe the, the conversations you've had, the, you know, the people that you've talked to, they've tossed out, this is the issue. This is the reason why they do not become a Christian. So... 10 seconds, yell at me. What do you think it is? Hypocrite. Wow, that didn't take too long, did it? You guys cheated in your small groups or something. So that's it, right? Hypocrites, the, the number one reason, the main issue that non-Christians have with Christians are Christians, right? The main issue that they have with Christianity are people that say that they're followers of Jesus, and you've probably, whether you've been called this before or you've heard it said about Christians, is that Christians are hypocrites. So the definition of a hypocrite is someone who claims to have a virtuous 
character, moral, or religious belief or principles that they don't really possess, right? Someone that says that they are something, but yet they don't back it up by the way that they live. Or someone that tells other people how they should live, and yet they don't actually follow their own advice. That's what a hypocrite would be. And that is, I mean, if you look at all of the surveys, all of the, you know, the, the different things that, that people give their feedback or their response, that is the number one issue, the number one reason why people choose not to become a Christian is because of other Christians. There's one survey back in, in 2013 that I came across that showed that one, only one in seven Christians actually represent the actions of Jesus, now, you think about that, what that, would, what that would imply for those of us that are here. I mean, if we've got 350 people, I can't do that off the top of my head, but that's a very small percentage of, of people that are actually representing, that are backing up what they say they believe with their life. So no wonder if only one out of seven Christians are actually representing the actions of Jesus, no wonder so many people in the world look at Christians as hypocrites. Now, a lot of you guys have seen those, um, you know, those like greeting cards or like the pretend greeting cards that they, they put out there with like a chick from the 50s and she's all smiling or she's on a phone or whatever. And it's like this super sarcastic statement or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. All right. So I came up with a couple of these or found a couple of these on the, on the internet. So here's one. Hypocrite claiming to be a Christian and reading your Bible in public while steadily stabbing others in the back. All right, what about this one? I really enjoy all your religious posts on Facebook. Ever consider modifying your behavior to match them? All right, and then this one's probably the worst. I'm so glad you told me what a good Christian you are. Judging by your actions, I never would have known. Dang. I'm glad she's got a smile on her face when she says that. So I don't know if those statements have ever been made to you if you claim to be a Christian, but that is, those, those kind of statements or those ideas or viewpoints, we hear a lot from non-believers. Or maybe we hear things, you know, that, that people say like Gandhi, who, who said a, a quote, uh, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now, whether Gandhi fully understood what Jesus actually was all about or whatever, I don't know, but... But that statement, or more or less that idea, has been said a lot, where non-believers look at Christians and they say, you know what, Jesus represents some good things, he has some good teachings, you know, there's, there's some things about his life that could change other people, that's a good thing. And yet when I look at Christians who should model the way that Jesus lived, I don't see the same things. And honestly, it's hard to argue with that. I, mean, I don't know, you see Facebook, you know, posts like that or you hear people say those statements or whatever. I mean, it's, it's hard to really argue with that. I mean, I, I tend to agree that things that we see a lot of times from Christians don't actually back up what Jesus was all about. I mean, it looks hypocritical for Christians to oppose an issue like gay marriage while Christians allow their own marriages to go to crap. Right? I and mean, that seems a little bit hypocritical when you look at Christian marriages and they're, they're dysfunctional in a lot of cases. It doesn't help the church's reputation when you've got Christian pastors or leaders or you know, uh, people that are in front of other people and they're trying to lead people 
closer to Jesus and yet they get caught in moral failure or they're having, you know, adulterous affairs or they're, you know, there's um, child abuse like what happened with the Catholic Church several years ago. Or, you know, there's, there's issues that they come out that they're addicted to things like pornography or whatever. I mean, it doesn't necessarily back up what we say we believe. We can't get upset when we call, are called a hypocrite by those who see us praying for our school at SCA on Friday morning and then getting drunk at the party on Friday night. Now, if, if you're in the room as a non-believer and those are, those are things that you've wrestled with or those are issues that you've had in terms of Christians being known as hypocrites, then you're in real good company. Because Jesus felt a lot of the same things. And in fact, if you, if you looked at Jesus and the way that he lived, I mean, he, if he argued with anyone or got upset 90% of the time, he argued with people, those religious hypocrites, right? Those Pharisees, those people that said that they loved God or tried to, on the outward, try to do all the right things. And yet, if you watched their life, they didn't back it up. You didn't find Jesus often fighting with sinners, right? Those were the people that he came to rescue. But man, if you want to get Jesus fired up, then all you've got to do is put him around some arrogant religious people who act like they're better than everyone else around them. And one such example of this, probably the best example, is Matthew 23. So Matthew 23 is a great example of if you want to, if you want to, see a situation where Jesus gets fired up. So Jesus is, is having this conversation. It's, it's very one-sided. And Jesus starts making all of these accusations and starts calling these religious people, these hypocrites, these Pharisees, all of these names. So here in one chapter, all right, Matthew chapter 23, he calls these people hypocrites six times. He calls them blind guides, blind fools, children of hell, snakes, and sons of vipers. Now, we may come up with different terminology now, but like that, you know, for that day and time, like Jesus meant business, all right? If you were called a snake or a son of a viper or a child of hell, like that was not, that was not a, uh, a, um, a very nice thing to say. And then here's what he does. He makes the biggest insult in verse 27 and 28. Here's what he says. For you, talking about the, the hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. So Jesus isn't messing around. All right, it says, look, you people that say that you love God, like you put up a front and you're like some tomb and it's all clean on the outside and yet it's just full of dead man's bones. At the heart level, all, all you are is a hypocrite. See, Jesus saw firsthand that those who claim to love God don't always do a good job of showing it. And in actuality, that just, if anything, just reaffirmed the reason that he came in the first place. I mean, we get bent out of shape and we look at this and we're like, oh, these stupid religious people. And, and we get upset. And Jesus obviously was very upset. And yet, I've got to think that it had to reaffirm, look, this is the reason why I came. 
Because if people could solve their sin, if they could be righteous enough, then Jesus never had to come. Jesus never had to give up his life. If it was, if it was up to people to be good enough and overcome sin themselves, then it never would have happened. And so even the most religious person that Jesus is talking to still had a heart of hypocrisy. And it just reaffirms the truth that Jesus had to come to die for us because he was the only one that could make us righteous. And for all the moments that we like to get arrogant and puffed up and think that we're better than someone else, the truth is none of us are able to to be good enough on our own. That's why Jesus had to come. So if you're a non-believer in the room and and you've kind of walked in with that idea or that frustration about Christians, what I would encourage you with, if you want to get the most accurate picture of Christianity, you've got to look at Jesus. As frustrating as it is sometimes to look at Christians and go, yeah, that doesn't look like what you say you believe. To get the most accurate representation of what Christianity is all about, we've got to look at Jesus. Who was he? What is it that he had to say? And is he, in fact, the savior of the world? Because none of us, we're not putting our faith in a hypocritical Christian or even a true Christian. You're putting your faith in Jesus. The Christian didn't die for your sins, Jesus did. The Christian is not the one that's perfect, Jesus is. And he is the only one that you and I can trust in. He's the only one who was the perfect God who never made a mistake, who created you and loved you and died for you. And for all of us, whether the religious hypocrite or whether the non-believer in the room, Jesus is the only one that can make us righteous. Now, that doesn't let us Christians off the hook. All right, again, the, the things that Jesus was most stern about, the people that he was the most upset with, were the religious hypocrites, were those of us who claim that we, we love Jesus. So listen to what he says to us in Mark chapter 7. He says, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a worse thing that Jesus could say about me than this. That Jesus could essentially look at my life and say, hey, you pretend to love me, but I don't really have your heart. You can, you're good at praising me with your lips. You're good at going down the halls of your school and telling people that you're a Christian. You're really good at showing up at church when you're supposed to show up at church. But at the end of the day, I look at a lot of you and I see that your heart is far from me. And before we kind of look across the aisle or think about that other person in our small group or whatever, they were like, yeah, that's, that's them. 
I mean, it is a challenge to all of us that claim that we wear the name of Jesus, that claim that we are followers of his. Would Jesus actually say that statement about our lives? Would Jesus look at us and see through the religious stuff that we put up, that that front that we're, we're able to put in front of people and maybe even fool a lot of them, and to see past that and to look at our heart and say, yeah, but I don't really have your heart. Here's why this matters so much. If God has my heart, then he has my life. And if God has my life, then it matters how I live. We can't separate the two. We can't claim that we love Jesus and do all of those religious activities and things and yet not actually live it out. It's got to be a heart issue. What Jesus wants to be able to do is look past all of the religious activity as much as they matter and to look to the heart and say, yeah, but do I really have your heart? If I have your heart, I have your life. And if I have your life, then it matters how you live. Your life and the things that you do are going to back up what your heart is all about and who has it. So in 1 John 2, here's what, um, here's what John says. He says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, there's no way that you can look at that passage and excuse it or make, you know, kind of tweak it or change it to say something different to kind of fit the way that you want to live. I mean, it is, it couldn't be more cut and dry. If you say that you love God, then it's got to be backed up by the way that you live your life. Because if you obey the commandments of God, if you live your life pursuing Jesus, then it will reflect how much you love God. It will reflect back to show other people that Jesus has your heart. And the reason why the world looks and sees so much hypocrisy is because we're really good at doing all of the right things, and yet it doesn't, it doesn't impact our heart. Jesus never really has a heart. We're just going through and we're, we're doing the things that we know that we should or whatever. Or it's the opposite. Sometimes we say, yeah, I love God. He's important to me. We know the, the, the things that we should say and, and those things that we should do to kind of convince other people. But yet we still justify the things that we do on a daily basis. And because even in our minds we say, well, God's a forgiving God, God will love me anyway, it doesn't really matter how I live, then we're able to kind of take verses like this and we go, yeah, but it's not really saying that. Because then there's this other verse that says that Jesus will never leave me or forsake me, that God's going to forgive me no matter what. And so it doesn't really, at the end of the day, matter. And yet the world's looking and going, your your Christianity makes no difference in your life, so why would I want it in mine? 
Because really all you're doing is you're, you're participating in the same things that all of us are doing and yet you're still just, you've got this Jesus thing on the side. You show up at church and yet you're still doing all of this stuff and really there's no difference between my life and yours. And no wonder the world looks at Christianity and goes, yeah, you know what? I don't want anything to do with that. I don't see any difference in the people that claim that they're followers of Jesus. See, I actually believe that the world would be full of more Christians if the Christians would actually start living what we say we believe. If we would determine in our mind, you know what? This is the thing. God, you really do own my heart. I'm not just putting up a front. I'm not just going through the motions. God, you own me. You own my life and I care about the way that I live and God, I want to live to reflect you in everything that I do. And yet rather, you and I who are supposed to be walking monuments of the grace and the love of Jesus and yet we're the ones so often that suck at extending love and grace to people who don't know Jesus. We're really good at exposing the sin of other people and yet kind of neglecting a lot of the sin in our own life. And the reason I think sometimes that is is because we forget that we're nothing without Jesus. I mean, I think sometimes the danger for us as Christians is the more we go through and and the more church we have, it shouldn't be this way, but for some reason, the more we kind of can, we, we look around, we go, you know what? I'm not all that bad. Man, I, I do show up at church every week. Man, I do, I am engaged in my small group and man, I do have some of the right answers and all of a sudden, we start getting a little bit more arrogant and we start feeling really good about where we're at and our own righteousness. And before long, we're focusing more on how righteous we are and forgetting how worthless we are apart from Jesus. We forget that while we were filthy, dirty, rotten sinners, it's Jesus who stepped into our mess and forgave us when we could never forgive ourselves. That Jesus became our righteousness when our righteousness to God was like filthy rags. See, I think sometimes for us, when we constantly remind ourselves of our own righteousness and our goodness, that's when we become susceptible to hypocrisy. But when we constantly remind ourselves of our desperate need for Jesus, I think that's when we most reflect God's grace. I think those are the times when other people most see Jesus in us, when they look and go, you know what, he's not perfect. And she makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, but there's something different about him or, or her. I mean, the way that they love other people, the way that they forgive other people, the way that they serve other people, the way that this Jesus guy impacts every part of who they are, the way that we've tried to pull them into some of the stuff that we're involved in, and yet they said, you know what? Jesus owns my heart. So 
See, hypocrisy comes from thinking that we make ourselves righteous. But genuine faith comes from knowing that only Jesus makes us righteous. And the more we keep our eyes on Jesus and understand that he's the one that we're after, he's the one that our life is about, he's the one that makes us righteous, the more genuine our faith is to the world. Now, I got to be honest, every time I hear of a student who came to Reckless and doesn't come again because what they saw were hypocrites, man, every time that stings. And there's different reasons why people may come and go, and, and we don't like any of them. I mean, we, we want every student to come and to, and to feel like they belong here whether they believe or don't believe. But it really stings when a student will show up and they'll say, you know what, I came, I came to this place looking for something real. I came looking for people who reflect Jesus and yet I saw the opposite. See, for us as reckless, we can, you and I can be known for a lot of things. And we get to, to dictate a lot of those things. I mean, we get to define who we want to be, and that's what we've been talking about this year. But there can be a lot of things said of us. But man, may one of those things that is said of us never be, I mean, what a bunch of hypocrites. And hopefully there are lost, hurting, broken students that are showing up every single week. And so sometimes that gets lost and sometimes people may look and they may perceive something and, and not really have the full scope or whatever. But I think it is a challenge for us that claim that we love Jesus, that sit in these seats every single week and say, yeah, we represent Jesus here. But do we represent Jesus out there? Is there consistency in the way that I live my life on my school campus and when I'm here? in my home and when I'm here, when I'm at my job and when I'm here? Do people that don't follow Jesus, do they see something real, something different in me? And when, when Ephesians 5.1 gives commands like, be imitators of God, do we actually do a good job of that? that's what Jesus has called us to do. And there's a world, we, in a lot of ways, we're put on display. And there's a world that is watching us. And a lot of the world hasn't been very impressed with what they've seen. And we can't really blame them for that. But hopefully it, it challenges us to say, you know what, going forward as I live my life, God, the first question is, do you have my heart? Am I just going through the motions? Am I playing this game? Do my lips praise you and yet my heart is far from you? And then Jesus, do I imitate you? Am my salt and light on my school campus? Do I model the, the, the attributes and the character, characteristics of God everywhere I go? Do we reflect God's ability to forgive and to transform and to change any life? 
because the world is watching us. And hopefully by the way that we live, we can scratch that off the list. I mean, there may be other reasons why, but man, they're not going to look at us and to be turned off by Christianity because we live out what we say we believe. And there would be more Christians in this area in our world if we would start living what we say we believe. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your patience with us. God, for your grace that you extend to us. God, I pray that we would never forget how much we need it. God, I pray for any of us that start getting arrogant or puffed up or start thinking that we're better than we are. God, I pray that you would keep that constant reminder in our heart and in our mind that we are nothing without you. That it is only because of you that we are made righteous. God, I pray for students who may have shown up tonight who are not a follower of you, who have had issues with Christianity, and maybe it's other issues, or maybe it's this issue of hypocrisy. God, I pray as we talk through these things over the course of this series, God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see. God, I pray that you would, um, God, help their questions be answered. And God, I pray that you would draw them into a relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would, as easy as it is to, to, spotlight those Christians who are hypocrites. God, I pray that they would look to you to get the most accurate reflection of what Christianity is all about and that you would change and transform their heart just like you're doing ours. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.